0: There is hope for parenting. Parenting teens does not have to be a miserable abyss that is a period of your life that you wish would pass quickly and that you long to be over. I often get jokes or sympathetic head tilts or prayers on the spot when I say I'm a mom of four teens. And there are challenges there, but it can be one of the most rewarding seasons of parenting, so don't give up. Be in it for the long game and know that there is hope and healing on the other side. You can come out of this like just with the relationship you always dreamed of having with your kid.
1: Hello and welcome. I'm Lori Hardy and thanks for listening in as we talk with leaders. Joining me today, joining me today is Dr. Jessica L. Peck. She is the author of Behind the Closed Doors, a guide to help parents and teens navigate through life's toughest issues. The book is a practical guide for parents guiding their tweens and teens through cultural change and modern-day health threats. Jessica, a longtime pediatric nurse practitioner and mom of four, helps parents escape the secrecy and shame surrounding challenging moments and engage in honest conversation with friends and peers.
0: Welcome, Dr. Jessica L. Peck. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so looking forward to our conversation. Jessica is the
1: author of Behind Closed Doors, a guide to help parents and teens navigate through life's toughest issues, which one is technology, as you mentioned, but your kid's helping you (laughs) through that part. That's
0: exactly right. I'm lucky to have four teenagers. I'm the mom of four teens at once, which I think gives me what they would call street cred. I learn from them every single day.
1: I love that. Why don't you introduce yourself a little bit and then tell us what brought you to write this book,
0: sure. Well, I am a professor who at Baylor University who's concerned about all of the statistics coming out, talking about the challenges that this generation is facing. I'm a pediatric nurse practitioner and have worked in primary care for 25 years. And I'm concerned, I'm meeting families behind closed doors in a place of crisis that they just usually never see coming. And I'm a mom of four teens. And so I see at home, you know, the struggles that they're having, I'm living and breathing this personally and professionally. And, you know, some people might look online at my accomplishments and what I've done in nursing, I definitely didn't write a book because I have it all together. I started as a girl with broken family relationships and kind of generational uh, trauma that's passed down and, and really estranged from my parents. And so that always been a source of heartbreak and, and thinking, how am I going to be a parent when I didn't have a good relationship with mine? And it started the opening scene of behind closed doors is my daughter at the age of 13, throwing a book at my head while I was driving and thinking am I a fraud am I a failure how can I be a pediatric expert when I can't even you know handle this and so I knew I was going to need a new mindset and a new skill set and so I'd been on that journey already and then 2020 sitting quarantined with the rest of the world in my backyard seeing what was coming for teens and recognizing uh, the skill set, experience and education really to come alongside parents. So that's what led to the birth of DrNurseMama.com and my professor brain, hands-on nursing experience and heart as a mom to walk with parents through challenging moments.
1: It sounds like a lot of what you do in this book is teach parents how to maybe have those hard conversations because I think sometimes it's easier to kind of ignore it and think everything's okay.
0: You're so right. And what we know from a teen developmental standpoint is that their brains are not fully developed until their early twenties. And that makes early intervention so important because we can literally rewire the way that their brain is conditioned to respond to some of these things. And it can be a lot more resilient to trauma. So that's really important for early intervention. But it's also important for parents to initiate these conversations with courage and grace while we are sparing their dignity. Teens are really desperately wanting relational connections. They have digital connections, but they need real meaningful life uh, conversations and relationships. And sometimes parents think, oh, I don't wanna expose my kid to something they haven't been exposed to yet. But in today's digital age, where life is coming to teens at the speed of a smartphone, it's just not possible to protect them from everything that might come their way. So we need a layered defense and we need an offense. And the way that you can do that is by intentionally exposing them to things in a developmentally appropriate way that positions yourself as the expert, but most importantly, signals to your team an open door. I meet kids a lot of times as a pediatric nurse practitioner who will say, oh, I can never talk to my parents about that. Oh, they don't know about this, but they do know, and they do want to talk. So even just having the door open and having a conversation as simple as, hey, you might see some things online that make you feel uncomfortable or like you've done something wrong. It's always okay to come and talk to me about that. No matter what happens, we'll find our way through it together. That's really important.
1: I can't imagine, my kids are grown, so I can't imagine what COVID
0: was like with teens. COVID was a social, emotional, academic, mental health serious injury that happened to kids. It really has impacted the way that they look at the world, the way that they interact. And it's going to take us years, if not decades to unravel the impact of what has happened and to really address those things going forward. This will impact their worldview, much like JFK assassination impacted the baby boomer generation and the Challenger explosion impacted ours and 9-11. And- impacted millennials. This will impact their worldview. But if we want to influence our teens worldview, we have to start by seeing the world as they see it and meeting them where they are. There's a disconnect between what we want the world to look like and what it actually looks like. And so we see this mental health crisis now emerging from COVID-19. And people will often ask me, is this fear-mongering? Is this something we really need to be this concerned about? And I'm a nurse. So I hope that you can trust me to tell you the truth. And the truth about the mental health crisis is that it's probably worse than you even think it is. I almost don't even recognize my practice, and it's happening because of two reasons. One is because teens are experiencing threats that we just did not experience as kids. We didn't have cyberbullying, vaping, sexting, pornography like it is today, social justice, gender identity issues, all of these things that are just really impacting kids, and they feel a prison of perfection. I was recently doing a community suicide prevention event. And on the table, I had post-it notes and I asked the kids, what do you see online that your parents don't know that you see? And of course the parents flocked over to the table, their imaginations going wild, thinking about all the awful things their kids could see online. But you know, that wasn't even the real thing because the word that covered the table was perfection. And I think we don't know what it's like to live in a prison of perfection like that and, and constantly being worried about somebody posting something online that will go viral. Just this week, I saw a news story about a girl who had a medical condition called neurofibromatosis, and it causes tumors to um, be appear all over your body. And she was sitting on the subway and someone recorded her with a question, a caption that said, monkeypox, question mark and it went viral and her sister saw it and everybody saw it and thought, oh, look at these girls' lesions, it must be monkeypox. This is the kind of world that our teens are living in. And the second factor though, is the encouraging factor is that this generation is willing to talk about mental health in a way that previous generations have not. We saw this in Simone Biles withdrawing from the Olympics competition and the national narrative saying she's a traitor or she's a hero. And the truth is she was a young girl who had mental health concerns that prevented her from being able to compete safely. So I think in that way, it's really an opportunity for us to demonstrate our old school social skills in partnership with their new world perspective. You talk about legacy letters. Can you talk about that? Oh, I'd love to talk about that, Lori. So this book is very hands-on. It is a Jumanji-style parenting adventure. This is not a self-help book that's just going to inform your worldview. This is a challenge to roll up your sleeves and get your hands dirty. You'll get your feelings hurt. You're going to have victories and setbacks, but the adventure is epic. So for legacy letters and looking at the way that teens view communication today, I was actually interviewing a psychologist who gave me a really amazing mind shift on this. All communication for teens today is disposable and digital. They have text messages they regularly delete. When my kids will send pictures on social media, they send the most unflattering photos that I can never imagine sending, you know, just a, a candid shot and it disappears because they can take more and they, they communicate in social media apps that are designed to disappear. So what a great opportunity for us to come in and create a generational keepsake. That's a legacy letter. This is a handwritten handcrafted letter. You can be as creative as you want, but I walk you through 12 letters that you can write for your teen. Some of those may be a poem. Some of those may be be a list of what I love about you. Some of those may be sharing a personal story that impacted you growing up or an eyewitness historian account of seeing your child's greatest victory. And then you can give that to them. Now I give these with the disclaimer that your teen is not going to say, wow, mom, this is the most amazing gift I've ever received in my whole life. And I will treasure it forever. (laughs) They won't say that. We have to release them from the pressure of giving us that immediate validation. But I believe that it could literally change the trajectory of a child's life. How many of us have a letter or something that was written even in elementary school, something nice about you that those words can endure. And often when I write my teens a letter, they may not say, anything, but I'll see it pinned on their bulletin board or tucked in a book I know that they read often. So I invite parents to make a gen- or grandparents even to make a generational keepsake for their teens.
1: I actually keep a journal for each of my kids and I, I only write in it like every few years, just something. But now that they're grown, but I also do this with my grandkids. We have two journals, and then we switch them every time we get together. And so they write in it for a couple months, and then I write in it for a couple months.
0: I agree with that. And all of a sudden, I want you to adopt me so that I can have that too. I think that's beautiful. And you're right. Right we as parents in a world of instant gratification, we do expect that instant gratification from our kids. And it's why we're sometimes so much more invested in controlling their behavior than exploring their heart motivation. And because we if they're behaving right, then we can think, Oh, I'm doing a good job as a parent, but we have to release them from that and realize that we plant seeds that will be harvested in another season. Growth is not instant and we can't generalize a behavior struggle into a Character issue. So, if they're struggling with something, they need to see that confidence in our eyes that just because you're struggling with submitting something on time doesn't mean you're lazy. It means that you're a great kid who's having this struggle. And I'm confident that we'll see growth in the future. It's that level of grace that
1: I think is missing in so many ways. Can you talk about teen suicide and what we need to look out for?
0: Yes, this is a real concern that just grips the heart of parents and just paralyzes us with fear, honestly. And I hate to say that it is a real fear, but it is a real fear. And we're seeing suicide in numbers that we've never seen in in our lifetime or really in any recorded history. But the thing that parents need to know is that it is okay to talk about suicide. Asking about it is not going to increase the risk. It's not going to give a teen thoughts that they didn't have before. And when we look at research and kids who have expressed suicidal thoughts or behaviors, only 30% of them tell someone about it. And usually when they tell them it's voiced as a joke or something offhand, And we also know that suicide is a very impulsive decision with 25% of teens making a decision in five minutes or less and another 25% 15 minutes or less. And so we need to open that door to have conversation. It's not something that happens overnight. And a lot of times when I see kids in my clinic who are suicidal, who are having suicidal thoughts or behaviors, the parents have known that something is going on for a long time, but it's so hard to say something. If you have a sore throat or a fever, you'll call right away and make an appointment. But if you're not sleeping well, or you're not eating well, or just that parent sense that something is off, I would just encourage any parent listening. If you have that spidey sense, that superpowers a parent to say, something is wrong and I don't know what it is. Just pick up the phone and call your healthcare provider, just like you would have called them when they were little to say, I wanna check their ears and just make sure everything's okay. And maybe it is, maybe it is okay, but you're never going to regret going and checking and just making sure that it is. A healthcare provider is well-equipped to ask those hard questions and to use just some simple questionnaires to say, yes, this is something you should be concerned about or no, it's not. The last thing I'll say about it is, We need to be careful in how we talk about other people experiencing suicide because our teens will assume that we'll think the same thing about them. So in talking about it, we want to say things like, I'm so sorry that happened. That's so sad. How can I support you rather than, oh, how did they do it? well, you saw that coming. Oh, how could they do something so selfish? Oh, they're poor family. These are, these are words that convey stigma, which is basically social rejection. And so anytime we're talking about any struggle, we need to lead with compassion and empathy while also giving truth, delivering hard truths with courage and empathy.
1: That's so good. And I think sometimes parenting in this day and age, we almost need a script I was talking with Molly DeFrank. Have you heard of her? I have, The Digital Detox. Yes, and she was just saying how everything was marketed as this is good education for your kids. And so you buy into it. Now you've got your kids all on these devices and all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, Steve Jobs doesn't even let his kids use these. So in this era, I feel like this book is very relevant. And again, the name of her book is Beyond Closed Doors. There's a lot of things we don't know because we were parented. I mean, this generation of parents were parented very different then these parents need to parent their kids.
0: We are so fear-based and there's so many threats that are coming and so many things we don't know about. And I feel like we get distracted and we get panicked, you know, when these things happen and we think, oh my gosh, social media, oh, sextortion. Oh, what is discord? You know, what are all these things? And the truth is things are just traveling at at a pace faster than we can keep up with. And our kids are always going to be digitally advanced. They're always going to know more than we do. So the key here is simple and there is hope because I feel like instead of getting distracted and trying to become an issue expert on all those things, the key is really in building healthy relationships. Research tells us that meaningful connection to one adult in a teen's life decreases their Risk of depression, anxiety, suicide, substance use, um, self harming, risky sexual behaviors, just all of those things. And so we just need to bring it back to the basics and just really concentrate on building relationships where those conversations about things that happen can occur naturally, where our kids can feel like we're creating a safe space for them in an unsafe world. And we're opening a door to have comfortable conversations in a comfortable way. So I want parents to read behind closed doors and walk away feeling like they have hope because they can invest in healthy relationships that that way you can build a bridge to navigate all of these tough issues together with your wisdom that you've accumulated and your, again, old school social skills and their fresh world perspective. Because if we want to influence their worldview, we need to meet them where they are, see the world as they see it and create a bridge to walk alongside them.
1: I think about COVID and how hard it was on the kids, but I think about also the parents, you know, when they have a a job and they've got the water cooler and they can talk or joke about teens, but now they're all home. They're all feeling. I know what we heard is everyone felt like failures because they didn't know how to teach. They didn't understand the technology. And I like what you said. Millions of parents, I mean, not a few, millions of parents are battling secrecy, stigma, and shame surrounding challenging moments they're experiencing in parenting their teens today. And the truth is they're not alone, but they feel so alone.
0: That is so true. And we really need to escape secrecy and shame and parenting moments for teens. If your child as a toddler has trouble potty training or, you know, can't ride a bike, you can talk to anybody about that. And everybody's going to give you compassion and empathy. And they're going to, you know, just give you all of the love about that. But these moments are hard and so you don't have to tell the whole world about it but you do need to have a village surrounding you who are your people that you trust we know from gallup that about 80 percent of americans rely on google for information but only 16 percent will talk to a trusted friend about a challenge they're having so there is something seriously wrong when we don't trust our friends to talk to them about these issues but we trust our google search to handle the issue. So you need to think in advance. Who is your village? Who are your people? You should have at least five people that you think, okay, I can trust them. I can talk to them about this. They can walk alongside me with this. They're going to love me no matter what. They're going to love my team no matter what. Maybe that's your sister. Maybe that's your pastor. Maybe that is a coach that's in your kid's life, but you need those people who are going to walk alongside you. Because what happens is when we we tell our teens, you know, for example, I had a patient in my clinic who had been hospitalized for a suicide attempt. And the parents' biggest concern was that someone would know because they thought they would judge their teen. But the teen felt such a burden to keep this secret. It was just a message that, you did something wrong. And I even think about my own daughter's struggle with anxiety and how she didn't want anybody to know she had panic attacks. They're really embarrassing. And she, one day when I was a nurse at a camp, she ran into my clinic and she slammed the door and her friends came running behind, not knowing what in the world had happened. And I just remember having this visual picture of you have support and people who love you, but you have locked them out. And so we just opened the door and said, "She's having a panic attack. And this is what happens when this happens. And she needs help Um, She needs support. She just needs you to give her a little space and go find an adult. And then those kids were on a mission. They knew exactly what they were going to do. And they felt empowered to walk alongside her in that. And Gen Z is amazing in that. They are very, they're much less judgmental, I think, than previous generations. And they do know how to offer support and walk alongside people with compassion.
1: When we started this interview, you said something that just really struck a chord with me. You had to learn and take a look at what you were doing that is the most brave thing ever and so when i hear you talking about that with parents the bravest thing is to reach out and ask for help and you know it is funny how we do really want to keep those secrets but how
0: unhealthy those secrets are well we all have baggage from our childhood everybody experienced something you know obviously some people worse than others and and our own hurts should not become our kids' hurts. And the best gift that you can give your kid is to seek a healing journey of your own. And that's really what I had to do. Just like I told you at the beginning, I knew I needed a new mindset and a new skill set. And so sometimes when we talk about teen problems, we so focus on, well, they need to do this and they need to do that. And then we have to do this to be perfect because we see this perfection. And we have to remember that healthy relationships are not perfect relationships. We're still still going to have conflict. We're still going to have disagreements. We're still going to have hurt feelings, but there is a way forward to not have perfection and not have perfection in our hurts and our trauma that we've experienced and not perfection in our relationships going forward. But we can have healthy relationships we can have healing from those things that we've done. So to the parent who, you know, has not addressed that, I would say investing in your own healing relationship would, would impact the way that your children and your grandchildren's DNA is read and transcribed. We know this from a genetic level now that if we don't address trauma in a healthy way, it impacts our DNA. And so what a great legacy to leave to your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren by seeking your own healing and being a healthy model of that to your team, saying, I don't have it all together and here it's okay to ask for help when we need it. I think that's a really powerful thing and it has paid dividends for me and my relationship with my kids.
1: That's so beautiful. And I just heard an author, her name is Alex L., but she said, Self-healing is an act of community service.
0: Absolutely is. That is beautiful.
1: (laughs) I know. It's so profound. I love what you present in this book is let's do this together. We don't have to have fear and shame and kids are weird you know, so we can do this together. And then what you said about Gen Z, these people, these kids know how to support. And I just think that is such a beautiful
0: thing. It is. And you know what? You're right. Teens are weird. You know, they're hard to figure out, but parents are awkward, right? We feel so awkward. And I think that's okay to too. Kids love authenticity. And so if we can say, okay, I don't understand this. This whole social media thing seems so weird to me and I'm awkward here. They love that too. And so just embracing that awkwardness, not feeling like you have to have a perfect conversation conversation. Cause here I am, you know, I have conversations with my kids all the time and they don't say, Oh wow, mom, that was a great job. You delivered that pretty well. <laughs> they say, no, no, we don't want to talk about this again. Oh, do we have to? And I just say, yep, it's awkward, but we're just going to muddle through it together. And, and they value that that's where you can have laughing and that's where you can have bonding. And that's just really the, the hard work and grit of where relationships are made. I want to convey to parents that there is hope for parenting. Parenting teens does not have to be a miserable abyss that is a period of your life that you wish would pass quickly and that you long to be over. I often get jokes or sympathetic head tilts or prayers on the spot when I say I'm a mom of four teens. And there are challenges there, but it can be one of the most rewarding seasons of parenting. So don't give up. Be in it for the long game and know that there is hope and healing on the other side. And You can come out of this like just with the relationship you always dreamed of having with your kid.
1: We're talking with Dr. Jessica L. Peck. Her book is Behind Closed Doors, a guide to help parents and teens navigate through life's toughest issues. Get it read it if you have teens before we go though we have to talk about something i know it doesn't look like it back here but if you could see what i'm looking at we are the christmas music station And we just flipped our switch and I know you love Christmas. So what do you love about Christmas?
0: Okay. So actually one of the reasons I love Christmas so much is because it started with my daughter who had an immune deficiency when she was little. And one day it was Halloween and she couldn't go out with the other kids to trick or treat. And she was devastated. You know, she's just crying, crying, crying. I said, what can we do? I will do anything, you know, to make this better because it was so sad. And she said, can we put up the Christmas tree? and I said absolutely we can put up the christmas tree so it stuck and it became a tradition and so we always put up our christmas decorations on halloween which amuses our trick or treaters but i just love everything about it i love the family i love the activities. I love my kids being out of school. I love the traditions. I I love everything. So I've had my house fully decorated for Christmas since Halloween. And for anybody who says that it's too early to put up your Christmas decorations till Thanksgiving, I would just tell them a line from Elf and you sit on a throne of lies. That's not true. (laughs)
1: That's my favorite movie. Hey, you know, (laughs) November 11th, the new movie with Ryan Reynolds and uh, Will Farrell came out called spirited have you seen it
0: i haven't seen it but it is on my list to do when my daughter comes home from college for
1: break awesome so two more things one is during covid we flipped our switch on halloween was the earliest we ever went and i cannot tell you how happy people were they needed hope other thing is today i went to home depot do you guys have home depot right we do OK, so I went to where the Christmas trees are and they had just this little skinny display with it looked like 3D glasses, you know, those paper glasses. And uh-huh. I just walked by it. But my girlfriend, who's just a, such a kid at heart, grabbed one and put it on. And when you look at the Christmas lights, whichever one you have, it'll be like all the Christmas lights have a little reindeer around them or a little snowman or a little Santa. I know. Go get
0: them. Well, I guess I'm going to be making a trip to Home Depot tonight because yes, yes I say yes to all the Christmas things, all the Christmas music. I even have a picture of a nativity that I just keep up year round because I think why not? And I'll tell you this, my nativity, because I have four kids, the wise man may or may not have lost his head about 10 years ago. And it's just on sitting on the box, but I can't bear to fix it because it just reminds me of that stage of parenting. And I love embracing the real of like, this is real life where we are and yeah, I, so, I'm I'm not even going to apologize for it. My youngest was the wild child. He drew mustaches <laughs> on all the wise men. <laughs> I still have that nativity. And one of the shepherds lost a head. But like, how do you get rid of that? You can't get rid of it because every time you put it out, It just makes you smile and think of that stage of your life that, and that's what I say to parents, you know, those are the longest days, but the shortest years. And I promise those things that you think are, you know, just so trying, you will miss them and you do miss them. And it's the same is true for teens. You know, some of those behaviors you think you're trying, I think, oh, I already missed those with, with my oldest going to college. I just, I love every stage of parenting. Okay. Where can we get your book behind closed doors? you can get it anywhere books are sold. It's easiest to find it on Amazon and you can find me at drnursemama.com, drnursemama.com. Awesome. And do you have a podcast? I do. It's called Dr. Nurse Mama (laughs) and you can find it at drnursemama.com. So what I do is actually this series, I'm co-hosting with a pastor and we are um, really kind of wrestling with the issues of faith and health and where's that intersection. But the next series that I'm going to be hosting is is going to be with my daughter, actually, who's a, a journalism major now at Baylor, and she's going to say, "Okay, yeah, this is my mom's perspective. Here's my perspective, and and here's how we work through our relationship together." You know, because it's taken us a long time, and she's had to understand that I had things that I had to learn, and she think had things that she had to learn, and so we want to share those lessons together.
1: One more question: Is your
0: book on Audible? Um, yes, it is. It's actually the number one book on Amazon Audible for parenting. It's been number one since it was released. So. It- it's, it's gone really, really well. So, yeah, you can find it on Audible. Awesome. And did you voice it? I did. I had to try out, but I,
1: I made it. <laughs> <laughs> we have a free app, and you can listen to Christmas music. I'm Lori Hardy. Thanks for listening today. We hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference.